Let us pray. This morning we open our hearts to you, Heavenly Father, that you may come and speak to each one of us. Lord, one by one, and yet as a family of All Saints Cathedral, but also as a worldwide family of the body of Christ. And so as I read your word and expound your word, will it come out with clarity, but also with simplicity, to bring correction, training, teaching, encouragement, rebuke, that Lord, it will accomplish that that you intended for it to come out this morning. In Jesus' name. Praise the name of the Lord. Let me just add um, a few more verses from what we had for the gospel reading. Uh, Verse 25. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field when he came near the house. He had music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your, your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The word of the Lord. This morning, our reflection is a love limitless in mercy. A love limitless in mercy. The kind of love that the world does not give. Love that we cannot describe enough with words. Love that cannot be found even from those that we trust most. A love limitless in mercy. You cannot get it from your mother even when she shared with you an umbilical cord nine months. You can't get it from your father even when they have given you fees and done all the nice things. You can't get it from your spouse, husband or wife. You can't get it from anywhere else. A love that is limitless in mercy. And we'll be focusing on that passage. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, all the way to verse 32. What's happening in the passage where we are currently in the story of our redemption? Jesus is teaching and is gathered around himself two camps. There is a camp of sinners. And when you read at the beginning of the chapter, they don't give us the details of what kind of sinners. But we know Jesus hanged out with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, and so many bad people. Uh, People with all sorts of behavior. Jesus hung out with them. I'm not sure I would. It's not comfortable. But Jesus was with them. And the other camp that is around Jesus is the camp of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The nice people. The ones that are under the sound of my voice this morning at All Saints Cathedral. 
They are like white towels. They don't want to rub shoulders with dirty ones because they will be dirtened. They have understood someone, he who walks in the counsel of the wicked is bad. They are the ones under the sound of my voice this morning. So those two camps are around Jesus Christ. And Jesus is being criticized for welcoming and eating with sinners. What sort of Messiah are you? They ask questions. And so what we see in chapter 15 is a response to the critiques, the blames, the bad things that people had identified about Jesus Christ. So in response, he gives three parables. And the first parable is to do with the lost sheep. The second is to do with the lost coin, the woman who sold, and at the end of the day, as she's counting her money, one of the coins slips through her fingers and disappears. And specifically, our focus this morning from verse 11 is what we know as the prodigal son or the lost son, and that parable is the most popular of the three. So let's look at verse 11 and verse 12. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Usually children get their inheritance after the death of their parents, after the death of the father. That was the culture, not only now, but even in these days that we are reading about. But this particular son, the younger son, did not want to wait. He was impatient. I'm sure that he relates with many of us who want everything our way and now. Lord, it is today or never. If you don't grant it at this particular prayer meeting, Lord, I will move on with life. Because we want it now, we want it our way, we don't want to wait. This is what is happening to this young man. And the devil uses deception and discontentment a lot to drive us away from the will of God. We are always promised by the evil one that it is better out there. They will tell you that there is a better woman that is better than your, your, your wife. It promises a better job that you will be better off if you get more money. It is always better elsewhere. There is a Luganda saying, There is a sense in which we want discontentment. We are deceived by the evil one to always want to live where we are and we are discontent. I think this is what is happening to this young man. We want a better church, we want a better pastor, we want a better, better, better something. And so he's discontent and he tells his father, Give me what belongs to me. And what we see in the text, amazingly, of course this father is different from my father, Chomohendo. The father agreed. How? He agreed and said, okay, let me divide the property and give you a share. And, you know, surprisingly, the boy didn't even have a second thought about it. He accepts the father's offer. Let me say this at this point, that sometimes God will give us what we badly want just to teach us that actually we never needed it and all we needed was him. And we'll see it as we go down in this passage. That sometimes God gives us what we think we need to teach us that it's him that we actually need. Verse 13, not long after that, 
the young son got together all he had, set off a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. He went away, listen, not just to the next district. He didn't go to the next country. The Bible says he went to a distant country. He went very far away. And I have put in my notes that he went outside the spaces of accountability. He made sure that nobody was close enough to ask the hard questions. And you know that sometimes, or most of the times, we want to run away from accountability. People who ask us, how is your wife? We want to avoid them, especially when we know that there is something not going well. When somebody asks, what YouTube video are you watching? You are quick to disregard their concerns because you want to get rid of accountability. And so the young man received his share and went to a distant country. And while he was there, he squandered everything that was given. He wasted every share that he got from his father. He didn't think about investing. He probably, his motto was, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Hello. Let's eat and make merry. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, tomorrow life is short. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's eat. Let's enjoy. You live only once. You have heard that saying? YOLO. You live only once. So he ate the money. He spent everything that he had. And I can tell you, the gold diggers hung out with him. A few hot chicks were surrounding him. And he, they made sure that everything was spent. Listen to me, dear friends. Sin takes you farther than you wanted to go. Sin takes you farther than you wanted to go. But not only that, sin costs you more than you wanted to pay. And this is what is happening in the life of this young man. And his life took a drastic turn for the worse. It changed overnight. Even if it was after a few weeks or a few months, we are not sure how long, but what we're sure about is things didn't go the way he expected. The ATM said, insufficient funds. He couldn't take even Uber back home after a night out. It was bad news. His well ran dry. Things were bad. And to make things worse, a severe famine hit. You know that saying? So you don't have money, you are distant, and a famine hits. And the Bible says, he began to be in need. He began to be in need. He had never experienced need. He had been provided for by the father the whole time. But for the first time in his life, he had to get a job. He had to look for something in order to survive. So he went out, hired himself to feed pigs. And listen, friends, for a Jewish boy to feed pigs is the most humiliating thing that can happen to a Jew. The closest I can relate it is to a practicing Muslim taking care of a pig farm. That is how bad it was for the boy, a Jewish boy. It was so humiliating, but he had reached the end of his rope. He had hit rock bottom, as we usually say, 
And the sad truth, friends, is that many people have to experience sorrow in order to have positive change. I think this is what is happening th here. When things are going well, people usually don't think about God. Hello? People usually don't think God is that important when everything is okay. And God is aware. Moses told the Israelites, when you get to the promised land and you are in places that are flourishing with milk and honey and you have everything, you're living in houses you didn't build, you have good things, the houses are furnished, all is well. Be careful. You don't forget your God who brought you out of Egypt. When things are going well, there is a danger of you forgetting your dependence on God. And so, in verse 17 to verse 20, we are told another twist to the story. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Praise the name of the Lord. At this point, the boy remembered the character of his father and the character of his father encouraged him to think about a new possibility, to think about another possibility that I can probably see another side to this coin. He realized that his dad was not that bad. He realized that his father was not the devil he thought he was. That even his servants had food to spare. He realized and said, I sinned against God and against my dad. Man, what an idiot I have been. I'm sure he reflected. I shouldn't even be called his son. So with heavy feet, he dragged himself. He started on his journey back home. Praise the name of the Lord. It's possible that he thought many times of turning back. Maybe he didn't feel worthy enough. He might have felt a sense of shame. He might have attempted abandoning the journey back to the father. But he kept on moving each time he remembered the character of his father. That even servants in my father's house have food to spare. They have more than enough. My father is not as bad as I thought he was. And this reminds me of that passage where Jesus asks the cripple, do you want to get well? Do you come to a place where you honestly can't even dream of a possibility of another life, another chance, another opportunity? And I want to ask how bad do you want it? If you realize this morning that you're in a place where you are not supposed to be, how bad do you want to be out of that space? A space that lacks accountability, a space that lacks genuine love, a space that is simply draining and draining and pulling out everything, a space that is taking you farther and farther away from your God. How bad do you want to get out of that space? Do you want it bad enough to do something about it this morning? 
Do you want it so bad that you're willing to do anything in your power to move away from that space? And of course, we see a twist to the story. Again, a surprising turn. Look at verse 20, part B. But while was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. What? Again, I'm sure this is not your hand or my father. You woke up in the morning and you told me you want to go. I, 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 and I gave you everything you wanted and you left. And now I see you at a distance and I come and run to you. Do I have African fathers in this, in this congregation? <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> This can only be done by God. There is no human being. There is no father that will do this. Let me tell you, when in 1992 my father separated with my mother and it took about a day for him to realize and, and you know my mother had left and when he realized the following day he put goats in the house where we were staying and he transferred us to our grandmother. Just to make the point, I don't want you to even think about coming back. So you leave this house and you go away and you expect to come back. Apparently, I'm sorry. There is no father. There must be a father that is not an earthly father that this passage is pointing us to. There must be a father that loves like no other, that is limitless in mercy that we are talking about this morning. And so the boy had made bad choices. Probably the father would have said, don't say I didn't sell you. Instead, the father was waiting, longing each day, looking from his porch. Maybe today, he said, maybe my son, I can see his face one more time. Oh, at least Lord, help me see his dead body, he cried. Every night, every day, just let me see my son one more time. And when the son showed up, he even ran to his son, praise the Lord. He welcomed him. This is my son. He didn't even give him chance to think again. Maybe he can change his mind. Before the boy would even say anything. He didn't mind that his son smelled like MBD. He didn't care whether you smell like pigs or not. You are my son, praise the Lord. And the son said his rehearsed lines, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he could ask for a servant's job, listen, the father said, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> While he was still at distance. Does that sound like the Romans passage? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. He dressed him with the best dresses, the best robes, it is the same that we don't have our own righteousness because our own righteousness is as filthy as rags. But we have the righteousness of Christ 
And so the symbol here is the symbol of the gospel, that it's not about us, but about everything that God has done to dress us and make us worthy in his presence. Hallelujah. But the parable doesn't end here. The other two end with the celebration. When the sheep is found, when the coin is found, the people in the picture call others, the neighbors, and there's celebration. And there's explanation that in heaven it is like this. When one lost person comes back, that is how there is joy in heaven. But this particular parable does not end here. The parable continues. There's another character to deal with, and I'm sure is present this morning at All Saints Cathedral. And this is the older son who was in the field doing his usual chores. He's doing his routine. He was in the field like a good son should do, but he hears music and says, wait, what's happening? And then calls one of the servants, man, what's going on? There's noise. What's this fuss? What's happening? And the servant tells him, your dad has killed a fattened calf because your young brother <laughs> is back home. Man, there are ribs tonight. Let's go for barbecue. <laughs> and the older brother didn't think this was funny. <laughs> he was angry and refused to go in. Listen, his father went out and pleaded with the son. This is not John Hendo. <laughs> the house I built, <laughs> I go out to plead with you to come in. That's impossible. No way. Son, come in. Come and greet your brother, whom you haven't seen for so long. But he answered his father, you've got to be kidding me. Come on, dad. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed, disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young God so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this juvenile delinquent son of yours who has squandered and wasted your property with prostitutes comes back home, you kill a fattened calf. What's wrong with you, Musei? Is it old age? Have you lost your mind? You, 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 you. What's wrong with you? There must be something wrong with you. How can you do such a thing? Again, a normal father wouldn't say this, but my son, you are always with me. Listen, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The older brother was worse than Jonah because Jonah at least didn't want the Ninevites to, you know, to repent and be saved because they were Gentiles. But this is a Jewish fellow brother and he didn't care about his brother, brother perishing at all. And he disowns him. He says, this son of yours is no longer my brother. It is your son. Don't connect me with him. He didn't care. He preferred that his brother never came home. He died in a foreign land. And many times when we don't care about the lost, when we are not enthusiastic about evangelism and mission, we are simply proclaiming, we are simply amplifying how we don't like the lost to come back to the sheep pen. This is what is happening in this passage. The brother disowned him. This is your son. Rather than this is my brother or brother of mine. 
He was too consumed about his own life and performances. On the surface, you think he's a good boy. He's helping his father, but he calls this work slaving for you. It wasn't ministry. He wasn't enjoying it. He was slaving. The only motivation was when you die, I'll own all these things. Nothing else. It's not about doing the right thing. He was physically close to his father, but far away from the father's heart. So far away. And so both sons wanted the property, not the father. Yes. Both sons are off. Only God can love with limitless mercy like this for all his children, both that have run away and those that stayed so close and yet remained so far away. Only God, give him a hand clap. And the good news that everyone that comes to repentance, the Father loves with limitless mercy. Praise the name of the Lord. He has long suffering and patience for the lost, but also he has patience for those that are close, even with wrong attitudes. He wants us to repent and turn to him. He is the only one that will give you a chance and another. Both of them hurt the father without even realizing it. Can you imagine? He didn't force his rules on them. He simply loved his children. He wanted them to self-discover. And this morning I cry out, that you realize where you are. Many of us are just like the older son, so much like him. We do all the right things. Come on, we pay tithe. We come to Sunday. We come to church every Sunday. We do everything that is good, but we are still far from God's love. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity that you may come close to the Father and give your heart to the Lord, that you will have a heart-to-heart relationship. And so let me ask, where do you find yourself in this parable? Where do you find yourself? Are you like the younger son with wild and reckless tendencies? When we choose to go in the wild, in the space without accountability, we cannot have a relationship with the Lord. It's impossible when you go into the wild, into the darkness, It is difficult for you to have a relationship with God. God wants you in fellowship. God wants you in the circles of accountability. Are you like the older son, outwardly fine, but without concern for the lost and needy? The God we worship is a God of love that is limitless in mercy. And so this morning, I want us to come when we find ourselves in the wrong spaces that we may come to the Father and honestly ask him to have mercy. He doesn't judge us. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He wants hearts that are repentant, that are repentant, that are willing to turn away. And so this morning, reach out in that place that is deep, an honest place where you know you are far away. You don't deserve even to be a slave, not even a gatekeeper or anything in the kingdom of God. I want you to reach in that place and cry out like Bartimaeus cried, Son of David, have mercy on me. Please get up on your feet. Let's sing that song. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling as we come to the cross.
come home.